Hey guys, it is For The Record episode number 98. Happy Friday everyone, hope you're having a great day um, and a, a getting ready for a great 4th of July weekend. Well, technically weekend before 4th of July, how, whatever you want to call it. Um, this episode is sponsored as always by our lovely sponsors at audible.com, your go-to stop for all your audiobook needs. Over 180,000 titles of varying genres. Uh, you can find literally whatever you're looking for. Um, and it's a really, really fun and great platform. Uh, to sign up for a free trial and um, get a free audiobook, visit audibletrial.com slash shameless promo. Once again, audibletrial.com slash shameless promo. Today's episode is this is kind of this is pretty special. Um, for a number of reasons. Well, the episode is with um, Rishi, the guitarist and vocalist of an amazing pop punk band that I discovered called Eternal Boy. Um, I listened to one track from them and I immediately had to have them on the show and to talk to them. They have a new album coming out called Awkward Phase that is fucking awesome. And it's going to um, hit stores, um, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, um, wherever you do stream and can purchase your uh, all your tracks. Um on July 14th, so just in a couple weeks here, you can get it at eternalboymusic.com, E-T-E-R-N-A-L-B-O-Y music.com. Uh, you can also head over to their Facebook page, eternal uh, facebook.com slash eternalboymusic to find out more about them. Um, it was really good to talk to these guys because um, Rishi and I just kind of reminisced about um, just kind of the pop-punk scene and how it used to be, and we were able to tie that back into the music that they're making as well. Um, so go and check out their stuff. It's You're not going to regret it. Um, it's so fun to listen to, and I'm super stoked for this album to hit stores um, on July 14th. So without further ado, here is episode number 98 of For the Record Podcast with Eternal Boy. Enjoy. So I completely realized after I finished recording that intro, the other aspect of this that I forgot to leave out, and I wanted to tag this on at the end of that intro, um, this was recorded over my phone through a uh, through the Tapical phone app. The reason I didn't record it with a typical studio setup, if you listen to the episode I did with Ray Toro where I did it just over the phone um, and just used that software, this was the last episode I recorded in my previous apartment. Um, I moved in there with my girlfriend friends about a year ago and we moved out last month when we did it and it was I don't know it was it was a very it was kind of a a cool moment it was the last thing that I'd recorded in there um I'd recorded so many episodes and so many shows with with people I never thought I'd get to talk to um and it was just it was a nice moment and it was a great chat so here is to new beginnings and recording in a new place. Enjoy.
no problem at all, man. Yeah, no worries. Well, I listened to the album and it's it's fucking fantastic. I I loved it. It was um, nice. Yeah, it's the. I mean, it's that style of pop punk that I've that I've missed uh, severely um, in within <laughs> the music scene. Like, it, it's, I love. I just love that style and the way that it was. Um, it just has always invoked feelings of maybe like summer or feelings of just of just like of youth and the kind of music that I st- that kind of got me into pop punk and into the music scene. So just incredible job, man! I am well, thank of- you very much. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess um, for this debut, had you guys just in my research, had you guys recorded any like EPs or demos or anything before the record, or was um, was Awkward Phase like your first? Thing where you guys all got together and started recording. Right, so there's actually a bit of a backstory. So uh, we actually changed our band name a year ago, or less than a year ago. Um, we were called we were called the Space Pimps for like five years, six years, mm-hmm. and um, we like toured extensively. Uh, I mean, like been all over the place under that name, and we had two albums under the Space Pimps, but of course the name prohibited us in in a in a multiplicity of different ways uh, in terms of growth. So we decided to change our name to Eternal Boy, which was the name of our last album under the Space Pimp. So um, we got the album repressed with, with the Eternal Boy name on it. And then we did like the formal announcement a year ago and we recorded Awkward Phase, the song, um, to like try to divert people's attention away from the name change because it's the same band, same songs, same vibe, same everything. It's just a new kind of candy coated shell just to, it was more digestible amongst the consumers yeah and um so awkward phase was the first song we recorded under the name eternal boy and then uh, we recorded a full album with chris badami which ironically enough speaking of kind of the old pop punk days like he was the producer who did like all those albums like starting line say like you beat it and early yeah. november rooms too cold <laughs> and like all those drive-through record bands so we went with him because that's like like our roundhouse right that kind of genre and then uh, we recorded a full length and we decided that uh like the theme of the album like being this like transitionary time that awkward phase was a good name for the album so we just kept that name for the album put that song on it yeah that makes perfect sense i mean given that you guys had that name change and that um there was there was a bit of change and it was like like you said it was still you guys but there was it it could still it's it, in in a way, looking back in the way that, like, a teenager would be going through a change. It's, like, an awkward phase in that. Right, man. That's, that's definitely it. And, like, uh, I just feel like, you know, like, I don't know, when you graduate high school, it's, like, first of all, high school's awkward. Then you graduate high school and you transition to college or a job. That's awkward. Then you get out of college or, you know, your first job and it's awkward. And, like, I don't know, everybody, everybody's always been telling me, like, oh, you know, like, you know, we're, we're like, in our in our mid-late 20s now. So, like, you know, I think about pop punk to me, and people would always be like, "Oh, you still listen to the to that kind of music?" Oh like we God. still listen to Starting Line and the Atari oh and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's too, it's super it's super annoying every time someone's like, "Oh yeah, like that was a phase for me," and I was like, yeah. "Yo, dude, oh that was God, like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yo, dude, that was like my life and still is." Yeah. So it's my kind favorite, of like uh, poking fun at that. My favorite is still like what I will say um, to someone. Uh, like I'll just I'll throw out a random band and they're a little bit more popular, but like an example of like, Yeah, I'm gonna go see Lincoln Park and then somebody's like, 
Oh my god, I used to listen to them all the time, but only for like a little <laughs> bit in high school because it was still it, they're still around. And I'm like, they put out eight uh, records. Like, there's no, they didn't stop because <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah, dude, I know. And like for us, it's like like obviously we evoke the comparison of Blink One Eighty Two, and I find that the biggest compliment when people say yeah. that some like some people in the scene are like, Oh, you guys don't like blink and they mean it like offensively and I'm like, Oh dude, sick, thank you very much. Yeah. And it's like uh like that's the one band everyone's like, Oh yeah, like all the small things, what's my age again? Like, yeah, those songs were cool when I was like in eighth grade. I was like, um Oh my god, yeah. Like the fact that I remember when Blink did the they came through and they did their tour with uh for California for the like it was like a major amphitheater tour. And I forget who it was, but there was someone who I said, I'm going to see Blink-182, and they're like, um, they're like, wait, they're still around? When did they make a record? And I was like, they put it I out know. last month. <laughs> I know. They put, not only did they put out last month, but they, they got nominated for a Grammy for it. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, I mean, but like, people are going to be like that. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, everybody goes into these weird phases. So like, awkward phases is again, like a testament to transitionary periods. Like, this, this concept that, like, being in a band is, like, a phase that, you know, we'll grow out of that never really, never really kind of happened, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, I guess, to some people, but fortunately for us. So, um, and that's kind of the theme of the album. Yeah. I mean, what was your introduction to this scene and this world? Everybody's got kind of a different story or a different band. There's the com- the commonality sometimes is, like, uh, like a Blink-182 or a Green Day, but I'm always curious your right. stories and how they are kind of, like, brought into this world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, like I mean, I was super young when I got in, into this kind of music, but, like, I have an older sister who was really into, like, the like the 90, like, mid to late 90s, like, pop rock alternative shit. But, like, you know, like, obviously Green Day was my first CD. Dookie was my first CD I ever bought. But, like, she listened to, like, uh, um, like early Everclear, and like Orange Nine Millimeter, and like the first E6 album, and like a band called Ruth Ruth, and some like local Pittsburgh bands that like had some notoriety. Like uh, they're called the Buzz Poets, and a ska band called the Distorted Penguins. So like I got into it like through her. Like she bought a guitar, like I stole it. Like she got her first Blink, like she got Dude Ranch, and like I stole Dude Ranch, and and like she never got it back. So like I owe pretty much all of my uh, like all of my early musical like fervor to her. But, like, the first time, like, I re- – like, Blink was the first band that made it for me. But when when I really started, like, realizing, like, wow, like, we're – like, this is going to be something huge was, like, the drive through Records era is what we call it. Like, when drive through Records, like, was signing bands, you know. I remember seeing a tour, like, at a venue. It was, like, a snowstorm in 2001. I was, like, super young. And, like, my mom, like, brought me to this weird-ass venue outside of Pittsburgh. And the, and the lineup was – RX Bandits, Midtown, and Newfound Glory. Holy shit, that sounds amazing. I know. And there were 20 <laughs> people at the show because this blizzard hit. And, like, that was the era where I was, like – I mean, again, and, like, I think bands like Blink and Green Day allowed for that label and those bands to be – to have success. But, like, I don't know, man. Go, like, I remember my first Warped Tour. It was, there was the drive through record stage, and, like, it was Alistair and Homegrown and, you know, Newfound and the starting line and early November and Census Fail and, like um, – our band it's like that to me like i started feeling like there was a real cohesiveness in the scene and i think that was the best time like i always tell people like you know kids who come to shows today like i'm like yo like you guys are growing up in the wrong time man if you like <laughs> if you like this kind of music it's a total bummer because like early 2000s mid 2000s is like where it was at like i'm not sure how old you are i'm not sure if that was like your prime either how old are you 
Um, yeah, that was it was sort of my era. Um, I was, but I but I fell in love and I went back and found all the records and totally got it. I'm 23, so I was right. The era that I first went to Warped Tour, like my very first year was 2008, and that was Fall Out uh, Boy. You played. No. So that was like the first year that a day to remember played when they were still like uh, small, like they were on the really tiny stage. Um, right. Uh, the big bands that I want, the bands I want to see that they were like the Academy is. Um, oh wow! Uh, yeah. Like old all-time low, like when they all were, looked like scene kids and had like like the straight hair and. Um, oh yeah, we, yeah, we did. We we actually did. The Space Pimps did the entire 2000. And, oh, I'm sorry, it's 2009 World Tour. Never mind. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, but 2000, 2000. I remember 2008 World Tour. Like that was like the neon punk era where like Cobra Starship and like uh, yeah. Forever the Sickest Kids and stuff like that were like super yeah. popular. So I had first gotten into like Newfound Glory and Sim and like they were they were more poppy, but Simple Plan and like kind of like love that Simple Plan. Early, man. yeah, the early 2000s. Not necessarily the '90s. The '90s, I was still listening to pop music because I was still a little right. kid, which is kind of right. Um, but like basically, like that kind of the skate punk era or the faux skate punk era, if you even want to call it that. But then right. I started to discover because then when I discovered Cobra, I was like, oh, he's in this other band. He was in this other band called Midtown. Ah, uh, yeah, amazing. See? And, see, isn't that funny? See, but it's it's those kind of music bands that like I think, like like they get it. Like if the ones that like saw Gabe Sparrow were like, oh. Like, I mean, I thought Cobra Starship sucked, but if somebody liked Cobra Starship and they did the research, they'd find Midtown, right? So oh, yeah. that's, like, the that's like the good move. But I guess for, for us, it was, like, you know, like, you know, I'm 28, like, and the guys in the band are, like, 27. So, like, we grew, like, again, we grew up right in that drive-through records era. And, like, it was, yeah. like, man, if I wish, I really wish that, like, other people could have lived through it. Because it was, it was new. Like, pop punk was new, like, at that point. And like it, it, I've heard it explain, like you'd go to shows and like you feel it, like this is you're a part of something big. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's even weird to think back to that era because that's the era that like um, you had bands like Sum Forty One who were doing their first records along with Blink, and then you right. had um, like and this is this pains me to say the sentence. Back when Fall Out Boy was still a pop punk band. I can't Dude, say that. Dude, love that first album, man. Love that first album, man. Take It to Your Grave is like a top ten album of all time. Yeah, it's amazing. And I got into them when – I actually got into them after that, like from Under the Cork Tree and Video on Hide. I was like, I Great really album. It. And that was my favorite, album. yeah. And then I don't know what they're doing now. <laughs> oh, my God, man, please. <laughs> <laughs> we that's that's it's 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 a little unnerving to see what they were and what they became. But I mean, like I guess you know, like I just checked out the new Paramore album. Like I really, like I guess it's one of those bands that was like that got their 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 foreground. It seems like in order to 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 have longevity, um, like in the pop scene, like if you're a pop punk band and you broke as a pop punk band, like you have to make those massive changes. Like I look at All Time Low's new album and new songs. I look at uh, Paramore. I look at Fall Out Boy. Like, I look at Panic at the Disco, like, bands like that, that. Like, I mean, they really evolved. I think that they've kind of lost their roots, which is whatever. But then you have bands like Newfound that are still doing it and grinding it and Bayside and, like, that, that yeah. like, subculture scene that I think is really kind of doing it the way that I would do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's, it's interesting to see the way that the bands, like, the bigger ones, like, um, like Panic and Fall Out Boy and the way that they, even if I don't like the music, I still 
look at it in a way of like, okay, what were they thinking and how did they, like, right. what was the process going in this time? Like, what was the change? And kind of look at like the backstory behind it. So I at least know like, okay, well, they may not come back, but at least I know what it was. And I'm Right. That's super smart. Most consumers are dumb. That's the, that's the pretense that, you know, <laughs> that, that the, the whole, the whole industry I think looks at is that the consumer is dumb and they'll, they'll listen to whatever we feed them. So I think that that's a good process to think about. Yeah, I, I mean, I love doing music research. I love checking out stuff. So, like, when I when I looked up, like, you guys, for example, like, I went and I looked up the notes that were given to me and checked out uh, the social media pages and things like that and got some – and got insight. I just, like, I like knowing the stories behind it rather than just saying, oh, okay, this is cool, or, oh, this is right. good. Whatever, so. Oh, we got good stories, man. Believe me, <laughs> some some are ex, some are explicit on the internet, and some are more implicit. But we got them all. What was the? I guess this might be kind of a broad question, but was there any particular memory you had had from that 2009 work tour when you guys had done it? Anything that really stuck out to you guys? Maybe was it just either like a fun event or a hardship, something something that I guess really stuck out to you when you think back on that. Time. Oh yeah. Okay. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got some ridiculous stories about that tour. So we, uh, so like we, we are, we're a van band. Like we tour in a van with a trailer. And I remember we pulled up to, um, Warp Tour. I think it was in Milwaukee at Marcus Amphitheater or something like that. And like we pulled up and I, and like again, for like when you're an independent band, like you, you might have heard this in your, in your, in your studies in terms of like this music scene, but Warp yeah. Tour is like the greatest thing on the planet. It's amazing. But, like, when you're an independent band, it is fucking hard. Oh, yeah. It is so fucking hard. So, like, check-in is, like, 8 in the morning. You're done selling CDs all day, selling merch, playing your set, promoting your set. And then you're done at, like, 9 p.m. And then you have a nine-hour drive, you know, eight-hour drive, six-hour drive. So, like, you don't have a bus driver. So, you know, you're on the tour with your friends. So, it's super hard. So, we pull up, I remember, and I look over, like, I wake up, and there's this massive tour bus with this picture of this chick on the front of it. And I'm like, well, fuck, I've never, I don't even know who this is. Um, and then I go and I check out her set, and I'm like, oh, man, like, this is super cool. Like, I can see this being super, like, super important. We ended up, like, like I ended up hanging out with this lead singer, and I'll get to the, I'll get to the punchline here in a second. Yeah, but, like, yeah. we ended up, like, getting lunch and, you know, like, hanging out. Um, and it was Katy Perry. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so, like, she her first like legit tour she ever did was the Warp Tour on the I think it was the SmartPunk.com stage that was, in 2009. That was, the, that was the first year that I was there. Yeah, that was totally right. Good. So like I was like I was like uh, maybe it was oh eight oh nine I can't remember which year it was but we uh and I was like I, I like it was kind of weird like she didn't kind of belong there she had a full band like yeah. like it was like much more edgy and then like I got we got home from the tour and like I turned on MTV and there was like I kissed the girl. <laughs> And I was like, oh my god, man! Like that. so, that like Warped Tour stories like like that are, are awesome. I remember uh, more recently uh, we did like a couple of days of Warped Tour, but it was this, it was the, it was the same tour that Front Front Porch Step got like all that scandal with uh, oh, like yeah. underage girls and stuff like that. So like there were like protests. This, or no, he didn't get kicked off. What happened was is that he played a couple of the acoustic tent stages. Yeah. So there was like yeah. all of this shit. Like bands were like super mad, obviously rightfully so. And, uh, like, fans were, but, like, I remember, like, going to the tent and just, like, walking by or, like, checking it out to see, like, what what the hoopla was, and it was fucking packed. Yeah. And being, like, like, and I don't know the whole story, and I don't know, like, all the details, and, like, certainly we don't not even remotely condone anything 
of that line. But, like, I, I was, like, so perplexed how so much bad press was brought against this guy and then he was playing, like, to 400 people at the acoustic tent. Yeah. Um, was, so, I mean, was, stuff like that, that like, yeah. stuff like that kind of sticks out. I mean, like, um, but, I mean, I could go I could go on and on. I don't want to bore you about World Tour stuff. No, 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 you're all good. You're all good. Oh, so you want more? <laughs> oh yeah, so yeah. If you want, if you want to, uh, no. I mean, I think those those two. I think the Katy Perry one is always my like. Uh, and I think actually in two thousand eight, I think that Paramore was also like about to break and on that tour as well. And I remember there being like a ton of like female fronted. And I'm a huge fan of female fronted stuff, but like, uh, like there was like a ton of female fronted bands, and I thought that was cool. There was an all girl stage. It was called the Shira Girl Stage. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They were on that stage. I remember that. So like I, th- I thought there was, I thought that, I mean again man Warped Tour is just Kevin Lyman is like the coolest guy ever I mean he's just <laughs> he just he gets it man he understands like to keep to keep strong his ethos all while still like growing you know and trying to grow the festival I just think I think he's such a smart guy uh, I absolutely agree I've I've met him a handful of times and he's like he's how he is not like freaking out every second of the day is so amazing to me, or he—he he, he seems like one of the calmest people I've ever met, and is totally oh, yeah. on top of it no matter what. Um, and I mean, he's insanely smart. Um, there was one, there was one. I don't know if you—I feel like you know who this is. If we're talking about like drive-through records, they weren't a drive-through records band, but there was a time I did work tour for another uh, like project and thing that I was working on. I was with a nonprofit a few years ago that was on that tour, and so there was one day though when I guess I had stepped away and my other staff member walked out into the crowd. He was watching one of the bands on main stage, and this girl just passed out. And so he was like, oh, my God. And so he ran up to her, and then this other guy comes up and is helping him out. And they're like, oh, my God, we need to get her to the medic tent. So they get her. They get someone, They get a guard over. They help get her to the tent, and then they're talking. And he looks up, and he sees this guy, and he's like, thinking, this guy looks really familiar. And so then he says, um, he's like, hey, thanks, um, I'm Cameron. And then the guy just says, thanks, I'm Code. And it was Code Reaver from Seos, <laughs> who was oh, wow. out in the middle of the crowd. Um, I don't know if they were playing that year. I don't even know if he was in the band, but it was just, he was kind of like, oh, holy shit, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what's cool about Warped Tour. You could be walking to your car and you'll run into somebody that you know. I mean, that's like, it like breaks that barrier of fan and, uh, you know, like band, uh, like line that always seemed to be so thick whenever like we were younger, and like Warp Tour like helps blur that line in many ways. Yeah, do you guys? I mean, this is probably an obvious question, but do you guys see yourself doing the tour um, either this year or next year again? In terms of promoting, we're actually doing. We're doing some of it this year. We're doing like we're doing a couple dates this year. Uh, again, like our new album comes out July fourteenth. So we're playing the Pittsburgh Warp Tour July 14th and a few after that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the, the Warp Tour, it's I, I I just I just can't. Again, it's just like it's one of those things. It's one of those staples in culture that you yep. you know you just look forward to every year. So any time that we are wanted, I we will be there. That's awesome. That's really cool. I mean, kind of tying this back around with. Talking about how Warp Tour is definitely it's a staple of culture and it's a staple of of I I I go as far as saying anyone who's interested in music, even if it's not the genre that you love, it's just it's a crazy. There's no other festival like it anywhere, none anywhere in the world, no matter no matter where you go. And I think in terms of 
in terms of that theme of, I guess, youthfulness and feeling like you fit in, is that, and we talked a little bit about how there's that, like the feeling awkward and kind of growing pains and getting through things like that. Is is that right. even, like, youthfulness something that resonates within your records and within? Oh within my gosh, man! Them? Oh, yikes! That is that is a great that's a great call. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Uh, like you know, like we we obviously like you know we tour a lot. Like the, the band is like our full time gig, but we also have things we do like outside of it. And like people are always really shocked to find out that like I have a PhD and I'm a college professor outside oh of being God. in a band. Yeah, I know, I know. Nobody nobody ever believes me because I, I mean I mean and it's I wouldn't believe me either. But what yeah, is it? like what is your what PhD? What is that? It's in it's in marketing. Okay. So so like I'm a, like during the school year. And again, we still tour during the school year, but you know, I thought like, what what could, what job could I have where like I could like maintain a like decent level of fiscal responsibility and fiscal health, all while being able to like be a musician and do other like music related things. So I figured, you know, being a college professor, you get half the year off. Like it's like a great scenario. Um, so like everyone always like talks to me about like this juxtaposition that I have, where it's like I'm like a college professor and then like I'm a a guy in a band, and like I also run a music festival here in Pittsburgh, and I just launched a record label like that, that falls underneath the music festival. Wow. And I think the only thing that really resonates with me, not the only thing, the major thing that resonates most with me as like with pop punk is the ability to always feel young at heart. And that's why like people, it pisses me off so much when people are like, oh, I listened to that when I was 12. Yeah. Like I get it. It's easy music. It's, it's not hard to play. And that's why it appeals so much to so many people, like because of the simplicity of the, you know, kind of of the melodies and song structures. So our, our, literally the, the entire undertone of this album is kind of youthful exuberance and that you don't need to put an age on youth, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, stepping, uh, like going back on something that you were talking about, you said you started a music festival and, or you were in a music festival and then you said you started a record label that coincides with the festival. Could you talk a little yeah. more about that? <laughs> sure. So, uh, like about three years, I think this is now the fourth year that the festival's happening. It's on September 10th in Pittsburgh, where we're from. I saw your calls from San Jose, and I'm really sorry about the Sharks Penguin series last year. Uh, if you are a hockey fan, I'm not sure if you are. But uh, oh, yeah, nonetheless. I, I was at that game. I, I'm, and the thing is, I'm not a sports fan, but my dad said he really wanted to go to the game. And because I do photography, he's like, bring your camera. I got these seats. And, I was, and they were like, second row and I was like how did you get he's like don't it doesn't work it doesn't matter and I was like okay so you want he's like I I don't care who wins I just want to see the damn Stanley Cup that's all I want right oh, now. oh so you were at the game where the Penguins won the cup oh yeah I got a picture of one of them carrying the cup right around the ice and um there was a bunch of disappointed San Jose fans my dad did not care he just wanted to see the Stanley Cup and he I was like oh wow you really want? He's like, I waited forty years for this. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, you're talking to one of the biggest hockey fans on the planet. But yeah, I mean, like, no, no, I had to point that in there. But nonetheless, so we, um, it's like it's in Pittsburgh, and it's like again, like a, a pop punk, punk rock, ska rock alternative festival. Um, and I did it for this is the fourth year, so three years ago I did it. The first year we had the I had the Wonder Years and Real Friends Modern Baseball. Then the second year I had Yellow Card and Anti Flag. Last year was Mayday Parade and um, Spill Canvas. And then this year, I, I'm not going to announce yet. I'm announcing next week the festival, but I'll tell you off the record. If that's, I mean, we got the, I got the starting line this year in state champs. Oh my god! The two, yeah, I'll, cut, I'll cut this out. Yeah, don't don't worry about that. Yeah, you can cut that one out. But 
so, so this, so what I, I basically started the festival because I was kind of frustrated that like a lot of Pittsburgh bands weren't getting an opportunity to play with some of the bigger bands. So like I'm a real like a champion for the Pittsburgh music scene and just local small niche music scenes all over the U.S. Like I think that the DIY community is incredibly important. So I, I, I figured like, oh, it'd be a really yeah. a good opportunity for my band to, to get out there and some of my other friends' bands. So that grew exponentially. And then what I ended up doing is that like uh, I got an opportunity to um, kind of work with a bigger manager. I, I, I kind of just accidentally met him. And I knew I wanted to release the Eternal Boy album, and the Eternal Boy album is coming out on Four Chord Music, which is the label that I started. And right. I just signed a band called A Summer High, which is uh, okay. like part, some of the members are from Minnesota, some of them are from Western PA. But they're like, uh, they're like again, like a poppier, like a much more poppier punk band from the area. And um, so, so I, I just, again, I, I kind of, you know, when you're off six months a year, you kind of want to stay productive and on top oh, yeah. of your game. So I just ended up doing that this year. So that there are two albums coming out on, on from the label. Eternal Boys album's coming out July 14th, and the Summer Highs is coming out July 28th, uh, both under Four Chord Music. That's awesome. I'll make sure to put the links up to that in the like in the description of this, and uh, yeah, everything's tagged and good to go. So in addition to the record, of course, but that's man, yeah, for sure. And it's Four Chord Music. It's just at Four Chord Music and then FourChordMusic.com, and then the festival is FourChordMusicFestival.com. Awesome. Um, well, it's been it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I got uh, just two more questions that I kind of used to to wrap things up and close out any. I I ask these questions in a way to basically close out any music interview that I do. Cool. Um, so the first one, and I'll relate this back to the album. What kind of message, if you have one, would you like fans to walk away with after listening to um, Awkward Face? Oh my God, that's such a good question. These are really good questions, man. <laughs> Thank you very um, much. Um, I think that. Uh, Again, I, I mean, I, we are, we're like, you know, Eternal Boy, the name is like, it comes from a Latin phrase called Pueri Turnus, which is like essentially like Peter Pan complex. So I think if anything with Awkward Phase, it's that uh, it's okay when bad things happen or things don't go your way. Um, it's just like a matter of perspective, like how you look at it. Like when I graduated high school, like my parents got me this paperweight and it says uh, success is not the position in which you stand, but the direction in which you look. And I think that this album like it's like is embracing the awkward times in your life and you know whether that's age whether that's being grown up whether that's growing up whether that's relationships whether it's you know super tough emotional times like it's okay like never take yourself too seriously but always know that like you know in the end like you have to embrace these awkward moments i think it's the message that we would have awesome and lastly what does music mean to you Oh my God, that's, that's a dissertation worth worthy question. Uh, Very much. Um, I think music to, to music to me, and again, I can only look at this through the punk ethos and the punk lens. Uh, like punk rock music to me uh, is not giving a fuck what people think or or think you should be or think you shouldn't be, and you doing it anyway. So music to me is cathartic. Like it's like catharsis, like like it's it's like a releasing of something. So like whether you're pissed off or happy, it's like the soundtrack to everything. You know, sitting in a silent room for hours upon end uh, is almost impossible in our day and age, given technology yeah. and television and radio and iPods and MP3s and and so on and so forth. So you know, music to me is is a is again like catharsis. It's about it's about like uh, it's about a release of something or someone or something <laughs> to repeat. Perfect. And uh, finally, the uh, last thing as well, um, where can people find Eternal Boy Online? Where can they 
pick up the record, any any links and places you want to plug and uh, let people know, go for it. Sure. So eternalboymusic.com has all of the links and the pre-orders, uh, uh, the the stream, our new song, Growing Pains, through alternativepress.com, and then um, – you know, the label that I started, which also has another hub, fourcoremusic.com, uh, has, again, links to, to everything in the pre-orders. And we'll have – we have vinyl pre-orders. We have bundle packages. And you can pre-order the album physically on iTunes right now. But when it comes out July 15th, you'll be able to get it anywhere. Google Play, Amazon MP3, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, anywhere that kind of people get their music today. Awesome. Man, thank you so much. It was so great talking to you. This is, this is a great conversation. I really enjoyed Dude, it. Dude, thank you very much. I appreciate it very much for the coverage, and I appreciate the help and the good questions. Of course, man. Yeah, no worries. Cool. Awesome. Have a great rest of the day, and I will uh, send this over to you guys when it's all ready to go. Thanks, man. Take it easy.